are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, final show of the week, and... A couple of things to go over. I had an interesting question from Twitter talking about trading for a superstar that I'll answer in the second segment of the show. And then in the first segment, we got a bit of an update on the coaching search uh, from Brian Windhorse of the Hoops Collective. Mentions a name that I've mentioned before that has been mentioned before, but then also mentions a name that is a little bit intriguing and hasn't been mentioned before and we'll talk about who that is as well so it's gonna be a shorter show today let's just dive into it in today's edition of locked on pelicans so coaching search update not a whole ton of news we know the pelicans have talked to ty Lu. they plan on interviewing two three people in formal interviews so they've had other discussions kind of around this job throwing out feelers they also have a generally a, a strong idea of who they want and what they're looking for. And so the fact that it's going slow, the fact that they're not casting like a hugely wide net, I don't think is very surprising. They want someone who's really going to work with the front office and listen to the front office when it comes to this team. And it's them being in lockstep with the front office, not really the other way around. I don't know how much the coach really has a say in terms of uh, player moves, uh, free agency, the draft, anything like that. It's more, here are your guys, get the most out of them. You're the coach. We hired you for that reason. And so, yeah, it should be kind of a slow process. Should it be only a few people that they're going to look at? Brian Windhorse on ESPN's The Hoop Collective podcast did mention Will Weaver of the Sydney Kings, who coached Didi Luzada last season, who has ties to Trajan Langdon and the Brooklyn Nets organization. And we did a segment on him about why he could be a good fit. This is a guy that's thought of very highly in certain circles, very analytics-driven. They kind of put him on the cutting edge, the bleeding edge of coaching and looking at those metrics and all of that. And this is the first guy that Sam Hinkie hired in Philadelphia when he moved over there. And we know how forward-thinking Hinkie was. I'm not a huge Hinkie fan, but overall, get what he was trying to do and see the value and the merits of that. He brought in Will Weaver even before they hired Brett Brown as the head coach for him to be an assistant and work with the team and share his insight. So he is thought of as a very bright person. And he did well with the Sydney Kings this past season, taking them to the finals of the Australia League. Um, And before that, all just got shut down due to COVID and everything that kind of went into that. So he's a guy that's got G League experience. He's a guy that's got some head coaching experience too. So he could, in theory, be a head coach. And if they think he can get a lot out of the players, do the right thing with the players and listen to the front office, that kind of fits what they're looking for. It doesn't have to be this flashy, big, expensive hire. It could just be a solid dude that does what you want them to do. Kind of as simple as that. Just that, you know, there's some value in being like a good soldier, right? And that's something that I think Will Weaver would be. Is the ceiling as high there? Probably not. But it doesn't mean that this isn't the right guy to bring in right now. They also mentioned he could be brought in as an assistant. And if you think a guy like Chris Finch is going to be leaving, whether it's a head coaching job or for another um, basically offensive coordinator position, lead assistant role on another team, 
you'll have spots on the bench and you could bring in a guy like Will Weaver to fill that. Or if you don't think Bizdelic will be back next season, you can bring in Will Weaver. So there's likely to be some, some turnover on the assistant coaching front, I think. If I were Chris Finch, think about this with you. I'd love to keep him. He's very good. We all know this. He will be a head coach at some point. But if they don't interview for the job or you you don't get the job, it's tough to kind of stay in that position. You know, if you apply for a promotion at work and you don't get it, you're angry a little bit. Like, you're upset. Especially when other people are interviewing you for those promotions too, and it just seems like a matter of time. But this organization that I've worked and, you know, done all the right things for doesn't want to give it to me, makes you want to leave. And I think that would kind of factor in. It's insulting, basically. I think that would factor in with Chris Finch. So I don't know if he will be here next year, and I don't think that the Pelicans see him as the head coach. Again, the reasoning I've said it, I think is pretty sound. If you wanted to fire Gentry in December and you would have done it if Lou had been available, but he wasn't, well, what's that say about how you're viewing Chris Finch if you don't want to put him in that role and give him a test run? So there you go. Will Weaver is the name of the day, either as head coach or as as an assistant. I'll come up, I'll, I'll bring up the next name that came up from the Dallas Mavericks. Why it's surprising, but not surprising at the same time in the next segment before we then get into talking about superstar trades in third. So coming up a little bit more in the coaching search in today's edition of Locked on Pels. Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Built Go. Think about when you hit a wall, whether that's in the morning before you start your day in the million Zoom meetings you're going to have. Maybe it's just a wall you need to break through before a workout. Maybe it's my wall sometimes when it comes to prepping um, this show and recording Locked on Pelicans when things are slow. Sometimes you just need to break through your wall. Think about what your wall is. And that's where Built Go comes in. They are energy gel packets. So whether it's a physical or a mental wall, break through it with Built Go every day. They come in easy to take 1.5 ounce packages. You can throw them in your briefcase if you're going into an office, put them in your golf bag so you shoot a little bit better that round, or just in your pocket to get through the day and your workout. Built Go is the best workout Gel right now on the market. It's basically like five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's like a drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. And they come in three delicious flavors peanut butter, honey, coconut, uh, chocolate, and chocolate milk. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, and collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it's a little bit easier on the stomach. And Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my workout, my work, or just to be. Be more awake when you're just trying to spend time with loved ones. A little bit of uh, caffeine, some B3, B6, B12, and that collagen promotes joint soft tissue and hair and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. Go to BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. That's BuiltGo.com using promo code LOCKED, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only show here with you on Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So also on the Hoops Collective, they mentioned another name. And this comes out of Dallas, and it's Jamal Mosley. This is a little bit interesting. It's kind of an off-the-beaten-path kind of name. But this is a guy who's been in the league for a while after playing overseas for a number of years. He's been an assistant coach with the Denver Nuggets, um, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and now the Dallas Mavericks since 06-07. So he's a long-running assistant coach at this point and has a lot of experience. First is uh, player development with Denver, then an assistant coach on the bench in Cleveland, overlapping with Trajan Langdon and 
David Griffin, you guessed it, there's always ties to these sorts of things, it seems like, um, while he was there in Cleveland, and then most recently with the Dallas Mavericks. This might not be a name that you've heard of, it might not be a name that excites you, but the Dallas Mavericks bench seems to get a lot of consideration for head coaching opportunities. And I think part of it is that Rick Carlisle is largely thought of as one of the better head coaches in the league. It's also worth noting that he's a retread before he landed in there. A lot of people tell me, and I, and I get it, I don't like retread head coaches. I don't want retread head coaches. Carlisle, before he ended up in Dallas and has now been there since 08-09 and won an NBA title there, was the head coach in Detroit before and the head coach in Indiana before, and he wasn't particularly great um, at times with either of them. Above 500, though, with them. So it's a little bit different than the Alvin Gentry situation. But keep that in mind when it comes to Ty Lue, guys like Doc Rivers as well. You might not want those guys, but established NBA head coaches who have a record above 500 tend to do okay. So Rick Carlisle, retread, by the way. So Jamal Mosley is one of the names that's come up, and I've heard that link to a few other things just on podcasts and stuff like this. And I wonder if it could be a legitimate thing. It's basically someone who can command the respect of the players and having been through it a lot in, in a number of places where you have that success, like, yeah, sometimes that just kind of does it. And it's not just Jamal Mosley off of the Dallas Mavericks bench as well. It's also Steven Silas, um, son of Paul Silas, who is also interviewing for some other jobs too. I think I've seen his name linked there. So this is kind of an organization that people tend to think very highly of. And yeah, if you're looking for an assistant, you tend to pull them from those type of organizations. So this doesn't necessarily surprise me um, to see that going, um, the, the, sorry, to see Jamal Mosley linked to the Pelicans bench. I've also heard Chauncey Billups kind of fits in the same vein of that um, former player who has a lot of experience around the league and should um, command respect. He's been rumored for front coaching positions, for um, at front coaching positions, front office positions, for coaching positions too. And it just seems like a matter of time before Chauncey Billups ends up in a spot like that. And maybe it could be here in New Orleans too. I do think that that is a person that the players on the team know who he is. They understand uh, the value that his career has had. And that, you know what, if he's just a smart dude, which he very clearly was when he played, could make a lot of sense here in New Orleans or anywhere if you're trying to get the buy-in of players. So just don't rule out some of those kind of smaller names like that that may seem a little bit less exciting, but make a lot of, uh, a lot of sense when you really think about what it can take to succeed as an NBA head coach. So coming up, could the Pelicans pull off a super-duper star trade? Let's call it that way, and I'll explain what I mean. And whether or not this team has the assets to potentially go and do that, it might not be the response that you think. So coming up here in just a second on Locked On Pelicans. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team um, and answering some listener and reader questions too. So this comes from Adam Rutka on Twitter. It's at Adam J. Rutka, R-U-T-K-A, and I kind of liked this one. He said in kind of the follow-up to yesterday's show, question along with the AD trade, would the Pels be in a position to unload their assets and pull their in their own superstar? If we got 80% of usable assets from AD trade, would it be possible to pack all the Lakers picks, some Pels picks, and Zoe slash Drew, plus young guys for a top superstar? 
And I think this is a good question. I asked Adam if there was anyone in particular in mind so I can see it. Like, I do think Victor Oladipo is uh, acquirable, but is he a superstar in your mind or is he just kind of an all-star level player? Also, apparently, the trade that I had thrown out there for Victor Oladipo, Pacers fans and Pacers people thought that was actually too much and the Pelicans wouldn't have to give up that much. So that's kind of a nice thing to be able to see that maybe he's going to be a little bit cheaper than you would have expected. So I asked Adam, you know, who's kind of in mind? He goes, the dream is, quote, disgruntled Giannis or Dame. Beyond that, maybe Beal, Simmons, CP3, Tatum. I'm going to remove some names off there. I I don't think Dame's really ever going to leave Portland. Um, He might, but overall, like, I think they're pretty happy with uh, him and he seems pretty happy there and they make the playoffs consistently. I, I don't necessarily see Lillard leaving Portland. I, I don't think Tatum is going anywhere from Boston unless it's in a trade for another superstar of the likes of AD. But Tatum's kind of getting into that near untradeable level, I think, for the Boston Celtics. Giannis, I think, could be in play. Beal, certainly. Simmons and CP3, absolutely. And I've, I've thrown out ideas for CP3. I don't think it's as going to take as much to get him as you think. You'll need to give up an asset. You probably need to maybe give up Lonzo Ball or Nikhil, whatever it's going to take to make the salaries work, which is a bit of a mess because he's got a pretty large contract. But he is absolutely gettable. They, uh, talking to the Locked on Thunder guy, Ryan Stiles, that I don't think, sorry, Ryland Stiles, I don't think it would actually take a ton. You could maybe have a late first-round pick. One of those Lakers picks plus a young guy and whatever it takes to match the salary might be enough to bring in Chris Paul. So, yes, if you think Chris Paul is that superstar-level player, the Pelicans can 100% do this, potentially without including Drew Holiday in there too, I think. Keep that in mind too. I'm trying to kind of formulate some of these trades without giving up Holiday because, as I've said, I'm not just going to trade him for nothing. Would I include him though in a trail for Brad in a in a trail in a trade for Bradley Beal or for Giannis? One hundred thousand million percent. Yes, I would include him in a trade for one of those guys. Beal, I think, is gettable because they're in just a weird spot. Um, it's tough to kind of read what is going on with the Washington Wizards. I'm sure they'd like to not trade him. He just signed a, uh, an extension there too. So it's going to take until the season starts fresh whenever the league calendar turns over to get him. But yeah, I, th- I think he's gettable. They've got a bloated salary cap sheet. They don't necessarily look like real contenders other than get bounced out of the first round every year, which you know what? For their owner, if he's comfortable paying that kind of money for it, then yeah, they're, they're going to not trade him and they're going to keep him. But if that's not what you want to spend your money on, and who knows what you're going to get back with John Wall, and maybe this hinges on how good John Wall looks coming back basically after like two years of not playing, longer than that when you kind of factor in all the injuries he's had throughout his career. And I'm a big John Wall guy, actually, but even now I wouldn't necessarily put a lot, buy a lot of stock in him. Unless it was dirt cheap. But Beal, I think, is gettable. And yes, I think you could package... You know, if you try and do it right now, let's say Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, and a pick or two for Bradley Beal is definitely gettable. And I think that the Washington Wizards might seriously consider that without a doubt. I don't think these Lakers picks are going to be that valuable, but if you need to include them almost as sweetener, I think that's fine and you can do it. This Lakers team doesn't look like it's going away. So your pick swaps. You know, if it's between picking, if it's between swapping the Lakers pick and the Pelicans pick, the Pelicans, unless they win the title, are going to probably have the worst first round pick of the two. So you're not going to do those pick swaps. And then when you get the Lakers picks, it's going to be like 25, 
26, 27, 28, 29, 30. Not that great. Like, it's not bad. You don't mind that and having that, but I don't think it's all of that great. So in trading for Anthony Davis, if you got 80% of AD's value, which seems about right, I think that's great. When you repackage all of that stuff to send off, it's not like it's 80% the value of a superstar though. So keep that in mind. And this is what I mean when it comes to Giannis. So I think Beal is attainable. Simmons, I think you got to wait another year on. I think he could be potentially attainable too. It would take a dramatic shift in directions for the 76ers. And if Drew opts into the player option, then yeah, maybe if you get an extra year that you can move him and you could do a deal for Beal. Giannis is the only one here that I think is like the superstar kind of level of player. Simmons would be nice. He's a good player. He's an all-star. Um, an all-NBA uh, close to level of guy, I think, in general. But there's definitely some things there that kind of knock him a level or two below Giannis. Giannis, say, so the question then to me is, could you repackage the stuff that you got in the AD trade and then ship it out for Giannis? And if you got 80% of AD's value, that's a really good return because you never get 100% for superstars. So 80% of AD, ship that all over to the Milwaukee Bucks. It's 80% of Giannis, equivocally, something like that, right? So you bring him on in. Kind of in theory makes sense. A, plus, A equals B equals C sort of thing, right? Transitive property. I know one or two things about math. But here's the thing. One, those Lakers picks look less valuable now. So looking at this, maybe they got 70% value for Anthony Davis in the trade since those Lakers picks don't look like they might be nearly as good. That's a bit of a problem right there that I do think those picks have lost value. The other part of it is the top asset coming over to New Orleans in that trade for Anthony Davis was Brandon Ingram. If you remove Brandon Ingram from the equation, say, say LA sent everything over, the fourth pick, all of the future picks, Lonzo Ball, um, Josh Hart, and say you, you don't send Ingram in and they send Kuzma. Just a hypothetical here. How much worse does that trade look? Horrible, right? Not horrible, but like not good. You could have gotten more. You didn't get Ingram. Ingram's the star player in this. He's the all-star. He is the most improved player of the year. That's the guy that was the centerpiece, the jewel of that trade. So if you're not including him in that trade for another superstar, it's not like you can just repackage the assets. Josh Hart's nice. Lonzo Ball, depending on what you think of him, is kind of nice. Those picks are whatever. That's not that appealing of a package for a guy like um, Giannis. Now, if you put Drew Holiday in there, sure, but there's still limits with that. If they trade Giannis, they're trying to rebuild. What do you, what do you need Drew Holiday for, right? You're not trying to compete. You're not trying to do a number of things that the Pelicans are doing where Drew Holiday has value to them, I think more so than other teams. So because of that, I think just kind of taking what you got in that Lakers trade for Anthony Davis isn't necessarily going to flip into like a, a, a super duper star like Giannis is. Simmons, I think, is even iffy on some of those things unless they just really decide that they want to make a, di a direction change. But say you go to them and they're not and they're like, we're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. It's not going to include the stuff from the Lakers trade, or that's not going to be the centerpiece of it. So I don't think they're necessarily, I think you can get it for Beal given the, the stakes of that team. I think you can get Chris Paul because I don't think he's that expensive. I think you can also get Victor Oladipo because he's not going to be overly expensive, but more so than Chris Paul. So I think you can make some moves for, for star players. It just depends on the level and kind of, you know, the semantics when it comes to this sort of thing. Some of those guys are very valuable, some not. And I think when we look at the Anthony Davis trade, as I talked about it yesterday, it looks worse for the Pelicans today, but I also don't think that it means it was a bad trade and that they didn't do the best they could. So they should be lauded for that. And they should be applauded for that. They should get credit for that. 
it just sometimes things change and the circumstances around things change. And also if you're not including Ingram in a deal and Ingram's got much more value than Drew Holiday does, then I think it kind of harms trying to make a trade. I think you'd be able to, other teams would be able to put together better packages for a guy like Giannis with more valuable first round picks and what have you. And that's the, to me, the only real superstar in there. So yeah, I don't know if they'd be able to swing something massive. I think you're looking at kind of a ceiling of, a realistic trade of Chris Paul, Oladipo, and then maybe a ceiling of a guy like Bradley Beal, which, to be fair, would be really good. So there you go, talking about the Pelicans' assets, kind of where they stand with all of that, and that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all on Monday.